folks. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Ammers. Hello, Lindsay Dow. How are you today? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Ah, not too bad, not too bad. We're recording this um, early, early-ish in the morning, early-ish in the morning. You know, when you read those productivity blogs and they always talk about, I meditate and I do affirmations before 6am and then I do... I don't know, rolling ponies and I run through a meadow and then I have breakfast, which is grits and protein. And I always look at those and I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of get started at nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not, I'm not a morning person, but considering I'm not a morning person, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. Then, so this, this, is, this is early for you. This is, this is a good... This is this is like your meditation now, essentially. Oh, this is my meditation. It's like an, it's like an early um, it's like early an early recording. It's not early for me to kind of be up and out and about, but it's early for me to be yeah. recording something. Um, so we better make sure we produce some quality <laughs> as it goes. Oh, and well, this is episode eighteen of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, and as I had promised you guys, um, Lindsay is is co-hosting with me, so she's going to be coming back on a regular basis, and we're going to be catching up. And um, we are recording this um, quite quite shortly after the polyglot gathering in Berlin, which Lindsay attended as a sort of roving reporter uh, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just went. <laughs> um, and, and that's certainly one thing that we're going to talk about. And we've got an awesome, um, interesting article of the week uh, called How the Language You Speak Changes Your View of the World. And of course, we're also going to get to our beloved tips of the week. Just a little shout out to our sponsor at the start of the podcast, which is still the lovely, lovely Flash Sticks company. Um, and just two minutes ago, I did a shout out on Twitter and asked people to select um, their favorite color of Flash Stick for the Flash Stick of the week. So we're going to get to that in the middle of the show and I'll tell you a little bit more about those. Um, That's a fun idea. It, yeah, it's actually really great because, you know, my Twitter is so full of people and stuff and I love hearing back from them so it's so nice when somebody kind of comes back um I did want to also give a special shout out to Karen Bryant who recently listened to my podcast that I did with Angelica Davies you know where we talked about German learning um and she was commenting on the podcast on Facebook live as she was listening to it um in in Carolina and Karen I just want to say how how great it was to connect with you as you were listening to the podcast and she was talking about oh God, I really want to get myself to a German class and just want to get going and stuff. And it's oh, it's, that's so cool. I know and that's the point, right? To like to to kind of inspire people to to either keep learning or to start learning. Yes, so that's really awesome. Yeah, oh, I think she's already learning. So just to kind of and yeah. she was saying, well, there just isn't much around where I live. So it was it was great to kind of connect with her and sort of look at you know what she can do. And nice. you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I was lying in bed yesterday and I really was thinking about how I haven't, I was kind of being maybe a bit mean to myself because I really have experienced a few busy weeks and working with people and building my new Udemy course, which is the, the online teaching support course. And I'm moving on to my next one now, which is German pronunciation. So I'm all about the courses at the moment. Um, <laughs> and one thing I was thinking was like, God, I haven't really... You know, after this whole, after I'm married and when my wedding is done and I've stopped having to spray paint bottles and 
Um, <laughs> go on eBay for pom-poms and tiaras and all the things. Um, I, I should really get back into language learning myself. I have been, mm. I've kind of scaled back my Russian at the start of the year and I hadn't, I had been teaching myself Russian, um, actually doing, doing all right and attending a class and things like that. Um, and I'm not good enough to really have a conversation with somebody as such, but when I have conversations with people, I, I'm very good at picking up new words throughout and doing a lot of gesticulating and just waving my arms yeah. about. But yeah. I, I really need to get back into Russian. And the only thing I've been doing is is keeping my French fresh, so to speak. Um, that yeah. was partly also when Rosetta Stone came along. And I thought, should I feel guilty that I've sort of I sort of lost a bit of interest in Russian, and my interest in Welsh kind of flared up again. So I don't know which one to really focus on, but my my I've started so a Finnish mentality says to me, do Russian. You started it, so you should finish. But yeah, we know we never finish. But then you never finish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But what but do you I think? think can there be too many? Oh, we've had this conversation. There can never be too many. I think uh, sometimes though, you know, you you kind of do drift from one language to another, and you kind of get this inspiration of oh this is really exciting me at the moment and I think that's a good thing and you should definitely go with it so you know if from from my opinion I don't want to sound too much like some kind of advice life coach style thing (laughs) but I would say you know if you're thinking oh Russian I'm not really feeling it right now but Welsh is like ooh, then maybe go for Welsh for a bit and you know play it by ear I think I mean right now uh, I started Japanese kind of in October last year and I had this really intense month or six weeks with um, the Aitokai or Aitoki language challenge and then I moved house and then I started my Spanish, my final university course and it's like blah and uh, but I still like crave kind of Japanese and I managed to get a little bit in when I wash up this is my Japanese like every day when I wash up I listen to Japanese pod 101 and uh that's it. And it just kind of keeps my toe in the water and it keeps mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. like, oh, God, I can't wait to jump back into this. You know, so I know like as soon as October comes and I'm done with academia and just blur, I can really begin to get into it. And I think sometimes taking a break from that can excite you. Like you said, with your Welsh, you found this new passion for it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. perhaps that's because maybe you've had some time without it. And now you're thinking, oh, it's intriguing me again. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah. It's just really, um, Welsh is, Welsh is, because, okay, no matter if I learn Russian or Welsh, realistically, I'm not, I'm not right now in a position where I'm, I'm, I see a realistic path to adding these to my everyday life very easily in the coming, say, year or two. Um, I can imagine, for example, I, I'm always on about traveling the world. And if I go traveling, um, Russian would be a hell of a lot more useful. But well, <laughs> Welsh is just, uh, it, I don't know, it interests me. And it is closer to, it's a lot closer to where I live right now. Um, so it's a place that I can actually go to and visit. And I remember learning Latin. So for me, it's never been, it's never been a fact that I need to learn a living language in order to connect with it and feel excited about it um and welsh is actually a living language when even if the number of speakers is a lot smaller so yeah Yeah. that that's not really in terms of my language choices that doesn't really come into it but at the same time yeah yeah i don't know i feel i feel i feel bad but then at the same time i attended 
free Polish classes once and then never learned any more Polish. So then I should feel bad about not learning Polish if I continue to be strict with myself. So yeah, you're right. Maybe just let it go. Un unblock yourself from that kind of self-judgment of I should be doing this and I should be doing that. When really it's it's nobody nobody's business. This is it. And like you shouldn't you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad that you only went to three Polish classes. You should feel good that you went to three Polish classes. Do you know what I mean? Like how many people haven't made that step and you did? Oh my god, and I learned like fifty thousand sounds in those. There's at least in three <laughs> Polish classes, I tell you, you can learn eighteen different ways of saying sh 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 Oh, that sound yeah. <laughs> it's incredible yeah. and I learned the, I learned the most useful thing I think that oh, I, le I learned what I think is the most useful thing to say in any language which is uh, I'm sorry I don't speak Polish <laughs> yeah do, do you think do you think that's useful because I've always said that's like I would come from the other side I would say that's the least useful thing to learn I, I don't know. I mean, I have done, I've been in Russia and in Kazakhstan and in other places many, many times where I got lost in the street and I was walking around and people would just Russian at me like crazy. And the only thing I can say is, and, and like, I don't speak Polish, I don't speak Russian, which is kind of, oh, yeah. so, and it was helpful because it just stops them in their tracks. And it stops them yeah. talking at you. So it's a very, very practical, um, mm. you know, and then I can say uh, English or Niemski, German. And, and, and then, you know, then we try everything else. But it's the one thing that I'm glad I can say in a sentence. Um, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Um, and then afterwards, they know I'm a bit, I'm a bit um, challenged <laughs> in terms of understanding. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I yeah, I think from... I think in a um, travel context, I think it's super mm. important. Mm. That Fair and enough. numbers. Numbers have always served me extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah, I think maybe there'll be a return of um, cause to either Welsh or Russian. And I may even, I've never really done sort of documenting my own language learning ambitions and thoughts on, on the blog as much. Um, except every now and then with French, but I think I'm going to even write a blog article about it and document it. And that's partly yeah. inspired by what you're doing because you do the script challenge, don't you? Mm, yeah, at the moment, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I haven't though, like with Berlin, and I feel like May hasn't begun yet. And it's what are we now, the 12th? <laughs> it's like, can we get back to the start of May? I've missed half the month. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got this calendar downstairs, which is uh, just a Lego calendar. So you build it out of Lego bricks. It's really cool. That's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it was a Christmas present, um, but it means every month you have to take it apart and put it back together because you put the new. Uh, ah. Yeah, you you build your calendar. It's really great because Lego is actually incredibly relaxing. Um, that would go down so well in this house. I can't even describe. It's, yeah, sorry, it's carry the on. Best. <laughs> it's the best, but it's still it's still on April. It's been made for nearly two weeks and that thing is still on April. Yeah. So I completely okay, so understand yeah, it what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it shows you when your life is really busy and you've got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. So, exactly. tell, but, yeah, so Berlin, when it was about two weeks ago now. And I know that this podcast isn't actually broadcasting until in a month. So I think everybody will have caught up with their own experiences of the Berlin uh, polyglot gathering. But for people who haven't had the chance to go, can you 
tell me a little bit more about what it actually is? Yeah. Um, so it's basically people who love languages meet up and some people who love languages talk about them and, and offer offer their own talks. So it's not necessarily, uh, when I say there's, there's talks, there's presentations, it's not like completely sort of academic. You know, people can just say, oh, I've learned this language that perhaps not many people have. I'm going to offer an introduction to X, Y, Z. So, you know, there is so much choice, so much going on all the time and there's evening programs and everything. So, for example, you've got three talks um, at once to choose from, which some sometimes you think, oh, my God, can I this one or that one? I don't know. But all of them go online after. Um, and in fact, I think this year they uh, raised enough via an Indiegogo to um, pay for them to be filmed uh, kind of more professionally, I think. So they'll be online Oh, soon. great, great. Or begin At least begin to go online soon, I mm -hmm. think. Um, so this wasn't so, you know, the first... Any, this wasn't the first polyglot gathering. The, first the second? One. No, the second one, I believe. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the last one because I missed the deadline to register by like three days mm -hmm. and I was so disappointed which meant that in October there was the polyglot conference and I was like right I'm going to that one I'm not missing this deadline this time you know I'm there um so that was a lot of fun so this was my first polyglot gathering but not my first kind of polyglot event if you like yeah yeah but there's I, I don't think there's too much difference really between the two personally the polyglot gathering I think tends to stay in Berlin and the conference tends to travel so for example this year it's in New York um which is quite exciting because it's I think previously it's been very much Europe what was so it last really year cool like that... Bosnia or something Novisad yeah Novisad in, in Serbia Serbia not Bosnia yeah. uh-huh yeah mm, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun so it a lot of fun. what's it like the polyglot gathering is it intimidating how many people are there like I I imagine you kind of go there and everybody kind of looks down their nose at you and sort of goes, oh, well, how many languages do you speak? I speak more languages than you. <laughs> yeah, see, I can understand. I spoke to people before about this and, um, you know, they've said similar things of like, oh, I'm not a polyglot or I can't go. I don't speak enough languages and things like this. Actually, no, no. Like the, the definition, um, and Richard Simcoe outlined this really, I think really, really beautifully in his presentation that he did. He said that there is a difference now and he's he's considered this over the past year or so there's a difference now between multilingual and polyglot so multilingual for example someone born in uh luxembourg who is raised with these different languages and yeah. learns them out of um or learns them within context because that's how life is where they are um so that could not necessarily be a country thing it could be your family thing it could be the, the people that are surrounded that surround you but then a polyglot he would define, and I think I agree with him on this, as someone who learns languages for no particular reason. So just because they love language. And I was like, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. Because poly itself just means like many or multiple, right? It doesn't mean polyglot means you have to speak six languages to C1 level and another three to B2 level. There's, there's no definition like that. It's, it's just very much on personal interpretation. And so I think the nicest way and the most open way to interpret it is to say if you love language and you study it for fun then you are a polyglot I think that's really good I think because because people have previously kind of looked at this word and I have never liked the idea of a polyglot is somebody who speaks um, 
more languages because poly means many and and glotta means languages so it's somebody who speaks many languages and to me that has always felt so like i don't know it just, that just didn't really work it, there was something there was always something there and you're right it's, it's this is a great way of this is a great way of putting it this is a great way of kind of putting this together and saying oh yeah you know it's 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 not every bilingual person is is this gets this polyglot kind of and it's it's not it also takes away the idea of it being some kind of level of achievement or honor which i i really exactly. have a problem with i really can't stand yeah. the idea of that bugs me so yeah. so much <laughs> i mean I've, I've written about it before and it's just like no 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 because you know like if you're gonna go around saying you're a polyglot and that, that makes you somehow like awesome because you have more knowledge than than just mm. just get lost honestly i just really don't care um but yeah, yeah so if, if a polyglot is somebody who just learns languages for the sake of learning languages and having fun with them i i like that a lot yeah i agree definitely mm. so what was your what was do you have a favorite talk how many okay how many talks first of all if we're talking favorite how many talks were there how many talks did you go to what what else did you get up to Okay, let me see. I might have the program on the desk because off the top of my head, I will just miss so much. Uh, okay, it's not here. Um, there is about, I would say, it's kind of a full day. So from like nine till six with two hours for lunch. So how many hours is that? About six or seven? Jeez. Like, so like full on, full on day. Um, and then that's, four days I was only there for three days unfortunately but four days worth of that and then in the evening you have uh, things like a polyglot game show um and <laughs> musical performances which is really cool uh -huh. um and, and the book fair culinary festival so yeah lots of fun but the, the in terms of the talks my favorite who literally if something in the program said introduction to and then any language I was like right I'm there <laughs> so for example introduction to northern Sami mm -hmm. that was really fun in that was really interesting Finland? unexpected yeah, well, uh, yeah but it's in the north of Norway which was a surprise to me I, uh -huh. I would I was expecting Finland but yeah the north of Norway okay, okay. um what else was a good one because um, the introduction classes as well, everyone had a different method. So, for example, um, I went to introduction to Brazilian Portuguese, which was with Jimmy Mello. And, you know, his, his method was completely different to, to everyone else. Um, so, you know, that was quite interesting to see the different sort of teaching styles. Um, there was, I, said, I mentioned a talk by Richard where he defined polyglot and multilingual. That was a really good talk. That was life was in life learning languages as a native English speaker. Mm -hmm. So oh, excellent. something uh, something I could relate to. Um, oh, yeah, there's something about Native American languages as well. That was really interesting. And uh, one that compared 10 Asian languages, which was really cool. And also one about tonal languages. And that was by Andre Muller. And that was in Easy Esperanto. Now, I don't speak Esperanto. Um, but actually, I was I understood the whole thing. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So that was fun. Yeah. I saw, um, I think, Agnieszka's article that she wrote about the polyglot gathering later on. And she said, oh, here are some things that I learned. And one of the things was Esperanto is a thing. Like people actually speak, yeah. speak Esperanto, which is, it's not, it's not really anybody's native language as such. Um, 
except maybe like 500 people in the world Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean yeah people spoke Esperanto to each other and I mean I've seen it written and to me it works a bit like Dutch so any most German speakers I think can just look at Dutch and go yeah that all makes sense it's just like really odd German Um, (laughs) or like Luxembourgish to me is is like my grandma written down basically you know like this Mosul Franconian dialect so there are certain languages I can work out from reading Esperanto is one of those but is it when you hear it is it like that too yeah I was really surprised pleasantly surprised yeah yeah I don't think it would take much learning for someone like me or you with kind of German French English you know so yeah Mm -hmm. okay and if people are interested in finding out more about the Polyglot Gathering, do you know what? Um, where do we send them or where can they watch the videos? It's, there's a website for the Polyglot um, Gathering? There is. I believe it's polyglotberlin.com. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure if you just type into any, any, any well-known search engine, I'm sure you could type in Polyglot Gathering Berlin and it would, it would come up. Yeah. yeah, so there's a website and there'll be info on that about next year um, as soon as possible, I imagine, as soon as they know details. Cool. And then next year you will, God, I'm just going to say this. You're going to meet me there. If there's, if I, if I'd gone, if I'd gone this year, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to anyone who didn't meet me because you clearly missed out. Um, you, did, you, you really didn't. You missed out on me being super tired and having a cold sore, and and I I would have I would not have been great company. So I'm I, I think I made the right decision this year, be, just to kind of give my wedding month priority. But next year I'm totally going to be there, and I would have I would have given a presentation as well um, about uh, German sayings and idioms. And I had this whole idea of like oh. different German sayings. It would have been so fun. <laughs> so, so you're gonna do the talk? Are you gonna do the same talk next year? Do you think? If, they, if, if the program still works that way and if they let me, sure. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. That's fun. Judith, here we are. There's you know, another reason to go. Absolutely. We're offering ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our article of the week this week, it, uh, it has actually been sent to me by two different people. Um, David Ike sent this to me and... I cannot remember your name. I do apologize. Um, somebody, I think it was just one of my friends. Um, you know, that happens sometimes. People know your language girl or language boy. Uh, they, they send you newspaper articles. And this one is called How the Language You Speak Changes Your View of the World. Uh, it's about some original research from um, a, a group of researchers, uh, one of which is Panos Atanasopoulos. Atanasopoulos. Um, a Greek researcher, and he's actually from Lancaster University, so I sent him a little email yesterday saying, hey, you're in my town, and why don't we chat to each other? So, you, you know, we may have a follow-up on this with, with Panos if he ever replies to me. Um, now, we already know about the cognitive advantages of speaking several languages, uh, being bilingual, for example, in Alzheimer prevention and recovery from neurological illnesses. And in this study, they worked to prove the assumption that being bilingual actually also affects the way that you see the world. So they had uh, German speakers and English speakers showed them different pictures of situations, so a lady on a bicycle, um, and they described the situations differently. And the the, the question now is, or the, the Im- infer... inferation? Infer... In the, the suggestion, anyway, from that research is... Um, that that means, for example, an English speaker and a German speaker actually see the world differently. 
What do you think about that, Lindsay? Really? Really? I was, I didn't really buy it. Mm. So I think this is interesting because this is something that's been uh, kind of floating around for a while. And so to see that there's still sort of new research coming out about this is, is interesting. Um, I mean, we've talked definitely before about through the language glass, right? And seeing the world differently in terms of color and stuff like that. But the perception here, you know, so it was saying like uh, the English person would, would see a picture of a woman walking towards a car and say, she is walking. And the German would say, she is walking towards the car. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I wanted to ask you this because obviously you're a native German speaker, but you speak English pretty fluently. How would you, what, what do you think? Would, do you think that you would perceive it differently? Uh, I, I, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, uh, um, I can kind of, okay. Um, it's, it's really, really difficult to say because you don't, you know, as a, as a speaker, you don't really crystallize out what you're actually doing when you're speaking, especially when you get to, when you get to the kind of level at which I speak English as well so English is completely my foreign language I never knew any English before I was 10 so I'm not a bilingual grown-up child at all um I just grew up speaking German but I I do now you know like live in England speak English every day and it's it's my normal it's my to be honest it's my first language in the sense of this is the language I use mostly and yes I dream in English people keep asking me that um and I mean, the, the the things I say in English are just, they're just, uh, just, just how I talk. And the, the things mm. I say in German are just how I talk. And I, I try to kind of think about this experiment of like, okay, if I see, say on this article, they have a, an image of a baby. And I mean, you don't say the baby is holding, you say the baby is holding onto a book, Right. And that is, I think, yeah. the baby is holding on to a book. And then the implication, implication is the word I looked for, um, from the research was that, okay, a German speaker will be more goal-oriented in how they think. So they're going to they're gonna say the baby is holding on to the books and looking towards its mum, or the baby is holding on to the books because it wants a book or something. Mm. Um, mm. And I didn't really connect with that. It didn't really feel... Um, it to me it felt like it's actually a lot more complicated than that and for example the a very good point made by <clears throat> Guy Deutscher who is the author of the language class was um if your language doesn't have a future tense does that mean you don't know what the future is no it doesn't yeah yeah you're right you're right and I, I really I think it's very very simple to kind of look at how people talk and express the world around them and draw a conclusion from that 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 is all that is how you perceive the world around you when actually it might just be that that's how your your language is but it may be that English has fewer um transitive verbs mm. which I don't I don't really know but to me it kind of felt a bit like okay is it just is it just that german 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 speakers are used to say longer or more complete sentences that just really want an object there. So is it just German speakers it, are definitely used to saying longer sentences? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be true, right? Well, certainly. I mean, when you look at how German is is written in in journalism and stuff, mm. absolutely. And you know, like there could be a. It's normal in German to have a sentence in, especially in journalism, that is like five five eight lines long. That's normal. And Germans are very good at knowing 
like we really respect what commas do and commas are really really have a point in german right they they sort of come before they before you connect to the next bit of german um, yeah commas blew my mind when i started learning german i'm like why am i putting a comma before because this is so wrong everything in my brain was like no 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 <laughs> okay it's done now yeah it took me a while to get my head around that i still do it the, the biggest mistakes i make in english or the most common mistake i make in english is putting my commas or just peppering my sentences with commas because i don't know if you can see that in my blog writing um and i sometimes i put it in never like noticed. i put it in little autocorrectors and they actually um they fix it for me and they always yeah. point out you've put a comma before because and I'm like, that's because that's because there's a comma before because <laughs> so i wonder if there's something in the way that the german language kind of structures information that mm. just makes germans used to putting more information into one chunk right and maybe Possibly. english speakers break it up a little bit more but whether that actually mm. means the the headline of this article how the language you speak changes your view of the world i'm still not buying it i still don't believe it and i didn't think that necessarily this this research kind of brought us a proof of that mm. I, I, th I, what I found really interesting as well is that um, this is how I would teach. Like I would teach someone, okay, she's walking, and then I'd ask, I'd say, you know, okay, all these question words: where is she walking? Why is she walking? When is she walking? How is she walking? You know, to get people to improve their vocabulary, to improve their sentences, and that's how I would teach any language: English, French, or Spanish. So I found it interesting that I said English. It's like, oh, she's walking. You know, I wouldn't accept that as an answer in English. I'd be like, okay, tell me more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was that was an interesting point for for me. Yeah, and it reminds me of it reminds me of again, uh, Guy Deutsch. I think the Through the Language Glass book. It's not like an, this sort of major text, but I think what what he did in that book was kind of bring together so much academic research and so many different perspectives. Yeah. And it's quite a read, isn't it? It's hard work to read <laughs> when you're not yeah. used to, you know. <laughs> But it's certainly an academic, it's written for the general public, but by an academic, you can tell when you read it. Um, but one thing that he said that I thought was sort of made me go, ah, was this saying, uh, this, this, he said, it's never, like different languages don't really restrict, it's not really about what a language can't do. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's actually about what a language, what the minimum is that a language makes you do. Right, so some languages, for example, gender, right? In German, mm. words have three genders. In French, words have two yeah. genders. In English, words have no genders, nouns. And so automatically, if you say window cleaner, in English, that doesn't yeah. tell you anything about the gender. If, you, if in German you say fensterputzer, but if you then say fensterputzerin, yeah. that will automatically make us imagine a lady because it's a, yeah. it's a lady word. And you, you automatically just imagine a man or imagine a lady. And even in job adverts in German, it will say, say if it's a neutral word, it says like we want a something assistant. They have yeah. they, they have often stopped going like assistant and then in at the end. Sometimes they do that, or uh -huh. in brackets you will see m slash w, männlich, weiblich, uh -huh. male, female. We want and we want this person. And we we don't care if we want a male or a female applicant. So German will always point this out because the German language just makes you point it out, whereas English just makes you not point it out. In English, you can just cha yeah. change the word fireman and firewoman to firefighter and you're done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas in German, you still Definitely. have to do like MW behind it. <laughs> and and that was one point that I thought was really, really interesting. It's not really about like, and you know, of course it makes a German person perhaps imagine that person ever so slightly differently. And that means maybe, but does, does that mean we see the whole world differently? I don't know. It, it doesn't mean that Germans yeah, can't, it doesn't mean that English people don't know what male and female is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. There's a difference between understanding, oh, that's a male window cleaner, a female window cleaner that they want, and understanding the world in a different way or seeing the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, this whole um, this whole thought exercise of, um, oh, um, this whole thought process is, is kind of, it's a bit just intellectual play. I don't really know what, what it actually adds yeah. In, in that much except for kind of making us aware that different people are different and perceive the world a little bit differently but it's not actually that strong it doesn't mean they're different people it doesn't mean people are di- built differently yeah yeah hmm. so i don't know and in, in deep, a, in deep. deep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very uh yeah intellectual article of the week and that's kind of why i wanted to bring this article out and also why I found it interesting that people sent this article to me, like three or four different people. And I thought, okay, um, I don't know whether they're trying to tell me like, hey, look, this is interesting. Or whether they're kind of actually saying to me, Kirsten, what do you, what do you think about this? Because it just seems so bonkers. Because to me, it's just, it still seems bonkers. And, and I still, I, I don't think that anybody has really managed to measure it correctly yet. Mm. Do you think anyone will? Yeah, I think given time they'll find yeah. a way. Definitely, I think I think it's very mm. interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do with an MRI scanner, and I would like to see more of that. Yeah, you know, to show you what cool. actually happens in the brain when you speak languages. I don't think it'll it'll get yeah. more interesting. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you feel like say you've just say from the polyglot gathering? Do you feel like? Did you, did you, in all of those introductions to different languages, did you see any kind of even indication that there's a completely different worldview or different, I don't know, way of thinking about things? Well, I guess there's the typical um, kind of um, the, the, the standard, uh, you know, I'm trying not to say the wrong word here, like, in, in, Inuit has how many, however many words for snow. Do you know what I mean? That kind of, there's that kind of view, isn't there? Um, and like I talked about the Northern Sami one, they did say, you know, or they have a, a lot of words. I think it was for reindeer, mm-hmm. like nine words for reindeer and things like that. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, these these things are much more prominent in that environment. So the language has to, has to accommodate that. Um, but I, I think... We all we all see the world slightly differently, not not necessarily because of language, but just because of where we are, yes. our sort of nature and our nurture, if you like. But then I think language is a reflection of that, and not necessarily. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, very 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 true. And I think that's a really good good way of thinking about it. it. Ultimately, language is a tool that we have at our disposal to describe our world, and because. You know, it's different to say our worlds are different uh, or saying we see them differently. They just are different. Yeah. So, which is probably why this yeah. is so difficult to measure because people's different worlds are different. 
exactly, exactly. And like, you know, the people they use for this study, do they all live in Germany? Do they all live in England? What are their kind of backgrounds? You know, ev everything. No, they had some everyone in that study. What they said was, if you make them say out loud German, if you make them say German numbers out loud, they're going to think more like a German. If you make them say English numbers out loud, they're going to think more like an English person. Or like an English speaker. Yeah, that was that was interesting, that bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going to put it in the show notes if people are interested in uh, finding out a little bit more about this study. It's it, it's called, I think, Two Worlds, Two Minds, or Two Languages, Two Minds. It's it's very, very interesting kind of thought experiment, if you will, um, but not... Sadly, not ultimately conclusive. And I'm also gonna. I found an article um, by Guy Deutsche, which is a, a very a much shortened um, but very accurate kind of summary of the different topics that he covers in Fruit and Language Glass. So I'm gonna put that in the show notes as well. And I think it was in the New York Times um, or the New Yorker, uh, one of those one of those magazines and uh, newspapers where he was uh, summarizing his book. And I thought that was really good. Uh, before we move on, I would like to um, give a shout out to our podcast sponsor that we have this week, which is Flashsticks. Once again, they're sponsoring us and they're kind of helping us out. If you don't know what Flashsticks are, imagine you um, need a little bit of momentum to kind of keep language going. And no matter which level you're at, so the um, beginners, intermediate or advanced level, um, you need the verbs and you need the nouns and you need the, the sometimes you need to know what a feminine and a masculine noun is etc and there are lots of different ways of learning vocabulary most of them imagine if you ever used like Anki or Memrise or any of those you're going to do it on your computer and um, this might be news to you but there are actually ways of learning that are not computer supported and I, I <gasps> very much <laughs> Sorry, can you, can you insert like a boom, boom, boom sound effect there? That would be that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really Sorry. get it really gets forgotten sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, I still I still write my French vocab by hand, but it's it's difficult to not li live in a world with you know a um, it, I, an iPhone and a, and a or a, a smartphone and a computer, etc. So if you want to take your learning, if you want to break out from the digital prison, um, the way to do it. It, it, there are many ways to do it, but one of the great ways to do it that I really, really recommend is just buy yourself a packet of flash sticks. They are $4.99. You get a 10% discount if you put if you put my code in. I really ask you to put that code in. It's called Kirsten10, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, 10, um, for 10% off. And what they do is they send you a little booklet, and in the little booklet, you've got lots and lots of post-its. And, oh, my God, do I love post-its. Um, and the post-its are pre-printed with a little picture. Um, and it tells you what the word is in English, tells you what the word is in your chosen language, German, Italian, um, Spanish, French, and sign language as well available. Um, and it's also color-coded. And this is certainly something I was thinking about yesterday as I was lying in bed feeling bad about my Russian and my, my Welsh. Is I can't wait until they bring these out because that would be the first thing I'd do, like just buy a packet of these um, and just stick them all over. Um, to to encourage my mind to just connect with the vocabulary. Now we have cho we have had a flash stick of the week chosen on Twitter. So I've recently tweeted um, saying, "Would anybody like to nominate a color for flash stick of the week on my podcast?" Uh, the choice is 
green, yellow, blue or pink. And the first person that actually came in was Francesco from Flashsticks. <laughs> so he's good at monitoring his Twitter. Um, and he selected green. So in green, in the green section, we will have uh, adjectives and verbs, pretty much. And the uh, adjective that I have chosen this week, it's a German word. And it, it, the word is spät. Spät. Mm. Lindsay, do you know what that means? Is is that you saying that? Yeah. Was that you? Yeah. That sounded like, <laughs> that sounded like you pushed the button. Spät. 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 That, mean, that means fun, right? It means late. Oh, I oh, knew that. I the, did know that. The word that you What's mean, Spaß. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've just been to Germany. Oh, how embarrassing. And it's a, it's a great word because it has an umlaut. And I just want to highlight the picture that's on the flash stick. There's a, um, there's a little 10 past 12 um, watch on an arm. And then next to it, there's a very angry smiley that says, Grrr. So flash, can I just say flash sticks, punctual people. They don't like people being late. They don't like people being spät. S-P-A-umlaut-T. <laughs> The word spät is our word of the week from Flash Sticks. And if you want to go and check them out and see a little picture of me holding my favorite Flash Stick, uh, it's um, flashsticks.com slash Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N. And I'd love, love to see you just kind of um, over there and just, you know, tell me what you think of them. Tell me if you've got any um, and send me some pictures of yourself with your Flash Stick things. <laughs> <laughs> okay right so i think we're pretty much coming to the end do you have any other language news that you'd like to share um i did want to ask you where you're up to with the script challenge last time you were doing amharic yeah um i feel like i like i don't know i haven't done anything since april mm -hmm. this is a, this is i've said it already like this is the 12th of may um just because of like Berlin and everything happened. So I, I actually, that's a lie. I did start with, um, I don't know how to say it, Tana or Thana, mm -hmm. T-H-A-A-N-A, -A -A, which is a script used in Maldivian, or like using the Maldives. In the Maldives? Kind of adapted from, wow. Um, adapted from, from Arabic. I knew nothing. I still know very, very little. I've kind of, uh, I'm probably like halfway through that one at the moment. Um yeah so this I mean this is the the reason I wanted to do it like things like that mm -hmm. I, I just haven't got a clue and so it's really opening my opening my eyes a little bit to uh yeah to all of that stuff so it's fun it's fun I've got this month Bengali I got a book out from the library yesterday about that to help me with that um Cyrillic and one more that I can't remember I want to say Georgian I think I think it's Georgian cool Cool. It's the fourth one this month. Cyrillic yeah. as well. Yeah. Like that, you know, Cyrillic is the only script I know except Latin. Yeah, and it's it's a fun one. You know, in fact, I learned it like two years ago, just on a weekend. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I just did this. Like, it was just a memorized course I found. Cool. And I was really, yeah, I was really like impressed with how, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, how uh, relatable it was, I should say. That's maybe a better word. And so what I want to do, with it now is I haven't used it or anything, but I want to kind of revise it and look at the differences between, uh, you know, Cyrillic used in, in Macedonian, in, in Ukrainian, in Russian, and just see these, these differences. Cause there are some subtleties, I think. There really are. So there wanna, really are. Yeah. So I want to kind of check that out. 
Absolutely. And even, even when you go to, um, say, Central Asia, and or even when you go into the different republics, um, there's a republic that I recently saw a video of, and it's a it's near Mongolia. It's called Tuva, and for some reason, uh -huh. it's because Christian, um, my fiance, for some reason this weekend found this video on YouTube of Tuvan throat singing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, and it's got this guy like riding on, and he was like, he's riding on a tiny horse. I'm like, it's a pony. So <laughs> it's a guy riding, <laughs> riding on a pony, playing this. Um, it's not a guitar. It's a it's a whatever it is. Um, I'm sorry. We're so we're so polyglot should mean you know stuff um but it doesn't <laughs> and um the, the 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 thing the thing that um the thing that really fascinated me about the video was kind of like the, the language he used and i thought yeah it reminds me of we because we were wondering like where where is this is it mongolia is it um you know kind of like kazakhstan and kyrgyzstan and uzbekistan yeah. so sort of the central asian republics and we looked it up and it is one of the republics in russia you know how there's several republics in Russia. There's uh, Tatarstan and then there's Abkhazia, mm. I think. And there's also Tuva. Um, and it's a fascinating, kind of, it looked really, it looked really fascinating to me. Just this, you know, mm. like wide step and people like, you know, riding, riding around and eagles and just, uh, you know, like the... Oh living wide and free and it's it's fascinating it's just you know like it's great when you connect with a language like that but yeah there's so there's lots of scripts there that are a lot of them they write in a mock Cyrillic or an almost Cyrillic script where they use almost mm. all of Cyrillic letters but then every now and then one is different ah oh, interesting mm. that's cool yeah sorry I just went off mm. on one then <laughs> that's all right so, i'll have to add it to my list <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah ah oh, the list you know you know it's 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 for some people for some people who want to sort of go to every country in the world it, it feels like that is such a huge challenge right there's 193 official countries <laughs> in the world but then here we are going oh it would be so great to learn every language in the world <laughs> or even just just touch on it just learn three words in every language just be yeah. aware of every language in the world it's almost impossible yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my 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 thing. <laughs> Gotta be honest. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, tips of the week. Oh, shall we do them? Okay. Are you ready? Go for it. Okay, you have them, right? I have them. I have them. I've got, oh, good. I've okay. Got, <laughs> I've got. I, was like, three, I don't have any tips with me. <laughs> I've got three tips. Um, all of them are. Um, I think all of them are very self-reliant tips this this week. So it'd be great to see, like, Lindsay, what do you think? Number one, get old school with handwriting. So get more involved in writing your notes, writing your vocabulary lists, and just writing your revisions by hand. Continue handwriting, and especially if you're learning a foreign script, get involved with that and, you know, just get rid of the computer. As we said before, don't completely rely on Anki and Memorize. Get with the get rid of handwriting, excuse me, and that would be a fantastic way of just getting your brain into language learning a little bit more. Think about how you can be creative with it and how you can make the words, make the words look beautiful and where you can stick them up around your house. Number two, use your internal thesaurus when you get stuck. 
Now, this is a fluency trick and it's something that I notice in some of my students, they do extremely well, which is when you get stuck and you don't know a specific word, say if you wanted to, learn, if you wanted to say the German word for hidden and you just can't think of the word for hidden at all and you, what you do is before you get completely stuck and you stop speaking the foreign language and you're thinking, oh no, I don't know this word, just pause yourself and start thinking, how else can I say this? And then try and see, can you say this in a different way? So if you don't know the word for hidden, perhaps you know the word for secret. Perhaps you know the word for unknown. Perhaps you know the word for, or perhaps you just want to say other people cannot see etc etc so instead of instead of just getting stuck try and build your own internal fluency engine um, by being more flexible and saying it another way so use your internal thesaurus when you get stuck or here is tip three which is simply play video games in another language uh, especially if they are games that require you to interact with people and objects and have little conversations. This is a great way of practicing exclamations, of practicing things from everyday words to the imperative and the instructions and lots of different constructions. Um, and if you can really then choose the video game that you want to play and go with the language that interests you most. Those are my free tips. Old school with handwriting, internal thesaurus or video games. What do you think? Oh, these are three really good tips. Um, for me, the video games wouldn't work because I don't play video games. So I'd just be constantly like, I'd be like walking into a corner. Do you know what I mean? And then just like, <laughs> how do I, how do I get out of this corner? Uh, 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 you know, so that would not work for me. Fair um, enough. The, yeah, the internal thesaurus, this is something as well. I tell my students this all the time um like you say you have students who sometimes just go boom and sometimes others who go okay how can I work around this it's almost like you get a wall of a word and you just don't know it and a lot of people especially people that are new to language learning tend to just think whoa boom rack into English how do I say this word and I say, mm, I'd always be like, no uh, no sorry I don't understand English so you know uh work around it and it's almost like you know do you know the nursery rhyme we can't go over it we have we can't go through it we have to go around it do you know the one i mean nope never heard we're of going that. on a bear hunt that's it bear <laughs> hunt we're going on a bear hunt i always kind of resort back to that and forget the name every time but <laughs> going on a bear hunt. Like, i have seen the book we're going on a bear hunt but i've never actually did so, ah, i didn't, I didn't grow that's up in it. england it's one of those things okay i'm gonna have to look yeah. that up we're going on a bear hunt that's cool bear hunt bear hunt um but yeah it's like that right so you have to kind of think and you know use your hands charades use i, I always teach the word a thing quite early on so you say uh, es una cosa, and you know you're trying to describe hairbrush. Mm -hmm. you know, es una cosa, and then you just start brushing your hair with your hand. They mm -hmm. understand you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's things like this. Um, so I always, always, always use that tip with my students. So that's a really good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a total fluency say, booster, isn't it? It is. It is because, like, you know, fluency isn't every single word. It doesn't. You know, that's impossible. I don't know every single English word. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not that. It is just to be able being able to express yourself easily confidently fluidly you know and so without the pauses of uh, you know and if so if you can avoid them by going uh, y una, uh um, pues, 
no sé la palabra en español, es una cosa, and then brush your hair, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're, you're expressing yourself fluently, and that's, that's, that's it, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Um, but I would have to say, I'm going to have to pick the first one, just because of the, the scripts. For me, right now, this is my number one um, priority, and I always do it, and I'm like, I want to do this more, I want to do this more, and I love it. I love having some time away from a screen and just copying And in fact, I feel really annoyed if I don't have like a book or anything like from the library about the script and I have to use a screen to copy from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, I don't want to use a screen right now. But once I've written it once, then I just like, okay, close the, the, the screen and, and then just copy and copy. And I love it. It's really nice activity, not just for languages, but just as a relaxing process as well. Ah. Really enjoyable. So it, yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. It's, it's relaxing. And I find... I have noticed in myself, I'm currently reading a book in, um, in, in German. It's a children's book it's called Tintenherz. Um, it's very good. And um, I, okay, I use my phone so, so much that as I am reading the book, within the next, yeah. within 15 minutes, I get bored of my book and I start going on Facebook. How bad is that? Uh-huh. I thought, I, thought yeah, I thought it was a really terrible thing to notice. So I think it's handwriting and the script exercise that you're doing it actually has this fantastic advantage that it really immerses you a little bit more in what you're doing and actually takes you away from your digital like entertainer that you, mm. you always have in your pocket and I am as much victim to, of it as much as anybody else yeah and it's so easy now as well because it, you can learn a language on these devices that you think oh it's cool I'm just going to pick it up and I'm, I'm going to learn a language I have that intention scroll scroll oh look that person's had a baby too now oh look that person's on holiday here <laughs> like, what am I doing you know it happens to everyone but it doesn't have to you know yeah I think absolutely absolutely and mm. do you I mean it, it's a whole different topic that we we, we luckily can't cover and people are going to disagree with me the heck out of it probably but learning learning a language on your phone I'm still not entirely convinced I still don't really. Oh, I don't know. I see, don't know. Maybe. I, okay. That's next. That's next time. <laughs> I think so. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make a note of it actually for the next time, which awesome. is episode 20. <laughs> going back to Lindsay, there's going to be, can you actually learn a language on a phone? <laughs> need to find something Boom, about sorry. it. <laughs> and it's going to be, you know, but this is, this is why we're doing this podcast. And this is why I really enjoy doing the creative language learning podcast, because For two reasons. Number one, because we do want to talk about, you know, different ways of approaching this and that there isn't a perfect way of learning a language and you don't have to do it with your phone. You don't have to put your phone in a corner. You don't have to X, Y, Z. Um, and secondly, because I think it's interesting to have a debate about these different topics and just, you know, like see what other people think. So it's similar to the um, article about whether you really see the world differently if you're thinking in a different language or not. Yeah. And I think that wraps it up. So, Lindsay, um, where can people find you, connect with you, and uh, seek you out on the internet? Tell you how great you Ooh. are. <laughs> um, Lindsay does languages. L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Um, yeah, .com. You can, um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of that stuff. Pinterest? Yeah. Come and say hey. Pinterest. Yeah, that's fun. 
Mm. So lindsaydoeslanguages.com and you can find me of course at fluentlanguage.co.uk and if you have it in your heart to please please visit the podcast sponsor Flu uh, Fluent <laughs> Flash Sticks they're called not Fluent <laughs> Fluent Sticks Flash Sticks dot um, com slash Kirsten K E R S T I N or if you find it in your heart to support the podcast with your own hard earned money it starts from a dollar a show uh it's not a month it's a dollar a show now um and all you have to do is pop over to patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash fluent language and you can see a lovely picture of me there and get some rewards and no matter where you are in the world i will send you a lovely thank you card and that is it from us for creative language learning podcast episode 18 signing off bye from me kirsten and bye from Lindsay. adios adios Lindsay. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. 